Let me just say this. We're just thankful for our dads here. We're thankful for all of our men. You know, the Apostle Paul, he had a spiritual son in Timothy. And so whether you have kids or not, I believe all of our men here, you have, you have an influence in someone's life. And uh, we're thankful for you. Um, I, I've got five great reasons to be a guy. I, I read this this past week, and I thought I'd share it with you. Five great reasons to be a guy. Number one, phone conversations usually take less than 30 seconds. That's right. You can quietly watch a ball game with another guy for hours without ever thinking he must be mad at me. <laughs> Number three, you're not expected to know the names of more than five colors. Number four, you can, you can use the same hairstyle for years, maybe decades. And number five, five, the great reason to be a guy, one wallet, one pair of shoes, one color, all year long. And that's five great reasons to be a guy. But here's what I want to do. I want to thank all of our men here, all of our guys here. I want to pray for you real quick. That's right. Let's go ahead and give them a clap. And then I want to pray real quick for you guys. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for all of our men. We thank you that we are blessed with the men in our lives. And God, I just pray that you will lift our men up today as they continue to influence the next generation. I pray that you will help them to be the role model, to live out by example, help us to be teachers, Help us to live by your word. Help us to pour out into the next generation. And so, God, we thank you. We ask you bless all of our men today. In your name I pray. And all God's people say, amen. amen and amen. Well, today we are asking for a friend, week number three, how do I know God's plan for my life. How do I know God's plan for my life? You ever have a, that, those uh, instances in your life, those times where you're like, am I making the right decision? You ask yourself, is this what I'm supposed to do? What if this is the wrong move? Have you ever asked that? I know I have. When I was in, um, about 25 years ago, in fact, 25 years ago, this fall, I decided to attend a college down in Florida, a Bible college, a thousand miles plus away from home. And I remember getting packed up, getting ready, and I was really excited. And then, you know, mom and dad, they packed me in, and they get all my stuff in the car, and, and we start driving down on I-75 to I-65, straight down to Alabama. And the closer we got to my college, the more nervous I got. What am I doing, right? What am I thinking? Is this the right move? I kept asking those questions. And, uh, and finally, you know, we get to the college campus. My parents, they start unpacking. And my mom and dad have been very strong through this whole time. So, you know, they're very excited for me. But it's about the time, it's the time to say goodbye. And I'm in the parking lot, you know, and they're, they're pulling out. And I see my mom, she's crying. 
All right, now according to my dad, she cried about halfway to Michigan, all right? I mean, she's just crying. And I started crying, and I started thinking, is this what I'm supposed to be? Is this God's plan? Am I supposed to be stuck a thousand miles away from home? I just graduated from high school. Does this make sense that I'm doing it? Is this God's will? What if I'm supposed to go to this college over there? What if I'm totally missing the mark? What if I'm totally doing the wrong thing? What if I'm studying the wrong thing? What if I'm supposed to study a different degree? And I started having, having all of these random thoughts about God's plan and God's will. You see, God has a plan for every man's life, for every woman's life. You see, one of the biggest questions I get as a pastor is how can I know God's plan? Or how can I know God's will for my life? And we ask those questions. Did I make the right choice? Is this God's will? Is this the right job? Or is this the right school? Or is this the right degree? Or you might say, well, God, you know, I'm asking for a friend. I'm asking for a friend, but is it possible to marry the wrong person? Even though he or she is happy with that person. But is it possible that I missed the mark? That I missed God's will? How do I know God's plan? And how do I know God's will for my life? I want to look at a couple of verses right up front here. They're not on your handout, but up on the screen, Psalm 32, verse 8. We see here the, a promise from God. He said, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will teach you. I will instruct you. I will counsel you with my loving eye. On you. See, God says, I will guide you. I will teach you. I will counsel, instruct you. Isaiah 58, verse 11. We've seen the very first part of that verse. The Lord will guide you always. Proverbs 3, 6. We'll see the verse a couple of times this morning. But the Bible says, in all your ways, submit to him. And he will make your path straight. So we have God the Father above us controlling our things. We have God the Son, Jesus Christ, beside us directing our footsteps. And then we have the Holy Spirit of God within us impressing our heart and showing us the way to go. And whoever you are and wherever you are, God has a specific plan for your life. Not just for the pastors. Not just for missionaries that, I'm, that I work with and pray with and I talk with. God has a plan for everybody. It is as true for the plumber as it is for the preacher. And as a matter of fact, if God has called you to be a plumber, you'd be out of the will of God if you try to preach. The gospel of Jesus Christ. So God has a plan for you and you're alone. He has a catered plan for you. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, verse number 10, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared 
in advance for you and for I to do. So he has a plan, and he has it set out in advance for you and I. The Bible teaches that the very hairs of our heads are numbered. God knows about you and I as individuals. He has a specific plan for your life. And it is your duty, and it is your delight. It's both. The will of God is not something that's boring. The will of God is not something that you're going to hate. It is your duty and your delight to follow, to find, and to finish his will, his plan for your life. Now today, I want to help you here and give us four principles that will help you understand what is God's plan. As you seek God, some of you are trying to figure out what your next step is. What's my next step in life? What's my next step this fall? What's my next step next year? You're trying to figure out what's next for your life. You're trying to figure out what's five years down the road, ten years down the road. You're trying to figure all this out. And so I hope to help you with some principles today that you can download into your mind, that you can take home with, and that will help you discover and to live out the plan that God has for your life. And so here's the first principle. And the first principle is called the will principle. The will principle. If you want to know the will of God, if you want to know the plan of God, the very first thing that you must do is that you should surrender your will to his will no matter what. You surrender your will to his will. Romans 12 verse 1 and 2 is a key verse, a primary verse in discovering the will of God. In fact, when you read it first, it's almost God's prayer to man. It's almost God praying to us. You know, it's not us praying to God. It's, it's almost in this verse God is trying to pray to us. Look here in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It says, therefore I urge you. In other translations, it beseech or beg. Many times we're urging God, but it's God urging us. I urge you, brothers and sisters, I beg you, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't be conformed to the culture of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see, you want to know how to find God's will? You want to know how to find God's plan for your life? Don't surrender to a plan. You surrender to a person. Don't surrender to a plan. You surrender to a person. His name is Jesus. God's will for your life 
is not a roadmap. God's will for your life is a relationship. You do not find the will of God. The will of God finds you as you obey the Lord, as you surrender to the Lord, as you commit your life, your ways to God. In other words, you sign a blank check and you give it to the Lord. You sign a blank check and you say to the Lord, Lord, anywhere, anytime, any cost. When you surrender your will to God, it's a blank check where you offer to God and say, God, anywhere, anytime, at any cost. Have you ever done that? Have you ever done that? Have you ever just given God the blank check of your life and said, God, anywhere, anytime, any cost? And somebody says, God, if I were to do that, I would be burned at the stake. I mean, there's no telling if I give God a blank check. There's no telling what he's going to do to me. I mean, that's a scary, scary proposition to offer to God a blank check. I mean, if I give it to him, he, I mean, I could be ruined. My life would be miserable. Let me ask you a question. Do you really think that God is that cruel? I mean, for example, uh, you know, fathers, your son comes to you, or your daughter comes to you and says, Dad, I will, for the rest of my life, I will be obedient to you. I will never cause another, I will never give you lips. I will never talk back. I, I, will, I will obey you. I will follow you. I will do whatever you want me to do. I've just decided from now on, I'm just going to obey and trust you. And if your kids, supposedly he does that, right? That's a big if, right? But supposedly your children does that. You know, they said, Dad, from now on, I'll, I'll do whatever. Anywhere, anytime, any cost. You know, I just want to do whatever you want. I want to please you and Mom. Now, what will you do? Will you meet with your spouse? Will you meet with your wife? at a coffee shop and said, Honey, did you hear what our son said this morning? Did you hear what our daughter said? Oh, man. Let's think of all the mean things we can do now. I mean, let's think about it. Let's, let's get deep. He just gave us the blank, blank check. Now, that's the way that some people think of God. You see, that's a crazy idea that we would ever think that. No way. We want the best for our kids. And you see, God wants the best for you, and he knows what's best for us. Anytime, anywhere, anything, at any cost. Romans says, offer your body as a living sacrifice. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You will prove that God's will is best. Don't be afraid of God's will. Psalm 37 verse 4, Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. 
See, don't ever get the idea that what you and what God wants are two different things. You see, when you surrender your life, you'll find that what you want is really what God wants. That God will somehow match his desires. That God will show you. You may not know it right away, but at the end of the day, you're going to be like, wow. You see, if, you might say, well, if I give God a blank check, he might call me to Africa. Let me say this. If God calls you to Africa, you will be much happier serving God in Africa than disobeying the will of God and staying right here where you're at. You're totally missing. You're totally missing. You'll be happier if you surrender your will to his will. Anything, anywhere, anytime, at any cost. You want to find God's will. That's the will principle. You've got to surrender your life, not to a plan, but to a person of Jesus Christ. Here's the second principle that's so important as we try to seek God's will and God's plan for our lives. It's the word principle. The word principle. You begin to saturate. I love that word, saturate your life with the word of God. You begin to soak into his word. Psalm 119, verse 105, the Bible says, Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. You get in the Word of God, you're going to find out that God will begin to direct your life right out of the Bible. Right out of, right out of His Word. And so much of the Word of God for your life is already settled in His Word. Already there. A couple of instances in the Bible where it's already talked about the Word of God for your life. For example, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. It's, a, it's God's will for you and for I to abstain from fornication. Stay away from fornication. You see, a man might come up to me and say, God, I'm married to this woman, but there's another woman over here that I'm interested in. Will you pray that God will open that door? And I'm going to be like, no, I'm not praying for that. I'm not praying for that. That's not God's will. I'm not going to pray against the will of God. I'll pray about something else. I'll pray that you begin to obey God's will. And that you obey his word that's already been said in his word. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it's not God's will that any should perish, that any should die. You see, God, God has a plan for salvation that's available for everybody. People that you like and the people that, that you may not like. But God's plan of salvation is available for everybody. And it's God's will for the gospel message to go out to every person. Here at Lake Point Church, all people matter. All lives matter. Every person matters to Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is for everybody. We don't stop people at the door and say, you don't belong. Everybody belongs. Everybody should feel welcome. Everybody should feel loved. That's God's will, that none should perish. And Dr. Peter, I'm sorry, in 1 Thessalonians, 4 verse 3, but go back to that one. The Bible says God's will, even your sanctification or your holiness. It's God's will for us every day to grow, to become more like God. So we see this over and over and over again. God's will oftentimes is revealed in his word. And the more you get into the word of God, 
the more that you're going to live by the great principles of the word of God. So the first principle, the real principle. Second principle is the word principle. Third principle I want to look at real quick is the wisdom principle. The wisdom principle. As you surrender your will, and as you get in the word, by the way, both of those first two principles are essential in order for the third one to kick in. You have to surrender to his will, and the more you surrender to his will, and the more you spend time in his word, the more that God gives you wisdom. James chapter 1, verse number 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. Who gives generously to all without finding fault? And it will be given to you. No ifs, no and, and buts about it. God will give you wisdom. Now wisdom is a two-way street. Two-way street. Not only do you ask for it, but you have to listen for it too. We're very good about the asking part. We're not so great at the listening part. If you, expect that, if you expect God to give you wisdom, then you need to learn to listen to God. And God is going to speak to your innermost thoughts. It's those nudge I call the Holy Spirit. It's those nudge. Have you ever walked through a day and like, you just felt there was an opportunity to do something? Perhaps there was something that you should be doing for God, and there's that nudge. And there's that thought that just popped in your mind. You said, man, you should talk to that person. You should, you should say hey to that person. That person is hurting. Behind that smile that that person might have, that, there's a real pain. Have you ever had that nudge? Have you ever had that thought when you kind of ignore it, and then it just kept nagging at you, that thought that keep nagging at you? And, you, you know, you're just like, man, I've got to do something about this. You either go back and do what that thought, it's telling you to do, or you just shut it down. And when you shut it down, you're most likely not listening to what God might be speaking to you about. We see this, God speaking to our innermost thoughts. We see this throughout the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 8, we see the story of Philip, one of the apostles. And he's out in the desert. In fact, he, he wasn't in the desert at one minute, and the next minute, he's in the desert, all right? God brought him out there, and all of a sudden, he sees himself in the middle of nowhere. And he's like, what's going on? And all of a sudden, he sees a caravan coming down the road, and it's a, a caravan of Ethiopians. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 8, verse 29, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. And so... Here's Philip in the middle of nowhere. He sees that there's an Ethiopian caravan coming through. And he sees, he hears God saying, you see that caravan? You see that chariot? I want you to stop that chariot. I want you to hop in. And sure enough, he hops in. And there's an Ethiopian leader in that chariot trying to read the word of God. 
He had no idea that Philip, you know, just showed up. He would think it's a coincidence, but God ordained it. God brought it all to happen. He had talked to Philip and to go into that chariot, and Philip taught him the meaning of the scripture of that Ethiopian leader. He taught him the, the meaning of the scripture that he was reading. He got saved, and then the Ethiopian leader said, What's next? And Philip said, We need to get baptized. He said, I see water right here, all right, in the middle of a desert, out of nowhere, right? God had it all planned. And the Ethiopian leader said, Stop the caravan. He hops out, Philip baptized him. And tradition tells us that that Ethiopian leader took the gospel back to North Africa and the uh, revival of God's message of the gospel of Jesus Christ spread throughout all of North Africa because of this encounter that Philip had because he listened. Even though it was crazy, even though it was weird, to stop the caravan and to hop in and to see that the guy was reading the word of God but couldn't understand it. God had a plan. Here's another scripture, Acts chapter 13. We see people in the prayer meeting and why they were worshiping the Lord, verse number 2. Why they were worshiping and fasting the Holy Spirit Again, he's speaking to the heart. He says, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And that group of people kept, you know, their blessing on Saul, with the Apostle Paul, and Barnabas. And they set the first journey of their missionary journey, uh, reaching all over the known world. And it's because they listened to the Spirit of God. Nehemiah chapter 7, verse 5. Nehemiah was rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And he said in verse number 5, So my God put it into my heart to assemble the nobles, the officials, the common people for registration by family. God put it in my heart. God put it into my heart. Have you ever had God put anything in your heart? Have you ever had the Holy Spirit just speak to you? Now, we're kind of walking on eggshells here. Because sometimes, what you might be thinking God is speaking to you may not be God. And this is where you're spending time in God's Word, and the more time you spend in time, in time in God's Word, the more you're able to discern the voice. And let me give you a couple of quick thoughts here. You know, if you're trying to figure out, okay, is this God speaking to me, or is this my impulse speaking to me? Or is this maybe the devil speaking to me? How do I discern? A couple of quick thoughts here. Number one, everything that God says will never disagree with the Scripture. He will never contradict the Scripture. So if you've got something speaking in your heart and it goes against the Word of God, then you know that you're not hearing from God. But here's, the number, here's another principle I hear on this. God often impressed multiple times. I look at Samuel. God speaking to Samuel in the middle of the night. Remember that? And Samuel wakes up and goes to the, the, the Eli, the priest, and says, hey, you call for me? And, and Eli said, no, I didn't call for you. Go back to bed. All right, so he goes back to bed and in the middle, again, a little bit later, 
Eli, you know, Samuel hears his voice again. Samuel, Samuel. Eli gets back up. And look for Eli, wakes up Eli. He said, Eli, you call for me? No, 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 go back to bed. Leave me alone. <laughs> kind of like me with my kids in the middle of the night. That's why I got my hearing aids out. No wonder hear it. They wake up Karen, not me, all right? I'm in good shape. That's a true story. You can ask her. It's, my, it's her pain and burden to bear. Not mine. Anyway, Samuel goes back to sleep. Samuel! Samuel! He wakes up and he goes back to Eli. And Eli says, you know what? You might be hearing a boy of God. Next time he calls, you say, God, Lord, here I am. Your servant is listening. And that's what happened. See, sometimes God speaks over and over and over again. God, if you're feeling that God is calling you to do something the first time around, wait. Oftentimes I say, just wait. Don't make big decisions. Depending on the decision that you've got to make, if it's a huge decision, just hold, just wait. God will keep speaking. He will keep showing. He will keep revealing what he's trying to affirm. He often shows you, he often speaks to us multiple, multiple times. When we started Lake Point Church in 2009, that was five years before that of God speaking to me and to my wife. That started in 2004 out in California. I was at a conference, pastor's conference, and Rick Warren, Purpose Driven Life, was doing the conference. We were there at the conference listening to him, and I was gaining information. And I was there for a total different reason, but I met some church planners. And I thought they were crazy. They were telling me how to start a church and how to set up and tear down. And I said, man, that's crazy. Who does that? <laughs> Who would do that? You know, I'm just thinking, man, that's... But then I was intrigued by it. I mean, I saw the passion. I thought, man, that is something else. They told me why they were doing it, why they did it, and what led them to it. I said, man, that's interesting. It's so fascinating. And see, I believe that God began to start speaking in my heart, and I wasn't quite listening yet at that moment. You know, I was still at, on staff at a big church in Florida, and I thought, you know, I'm going back there, and I've got a building. I've got steady income. I was being taken care of. You know, I didn't have to, you know, it was hard work, but it was great. I loved what I was at. And then God opened up another opportunity where someone spoke into my life, maybe a half a year, a year later, and said, hey, Scott, have you ever thought about planting a church? I said, man, you know, I've been thinking a little bit about that. Just, you know, I'm reading some books, read some stuff, I went to a conference, and the more I studied, the more I heard the voice of God, the more the people spoke into my life. And by the time we moved in 2009, we knew that this was what God had called us to do without a doubt. We had no plan B, different plan A. We knew exactly what God was calling us to do. We didn't know what the next step was going to look like. In fact, one week before we moved up here, we didn't know where we were going to live. We didn't have a place to live. We called a friend of ours that was up here that was helping us with the church plant. And I said, hey man, we're, we're excited about moving up here. We've got the U-Haul. We're, we're out of our house. And in one week, we're going to be homeless. We don't know where we're going. 
And he said, man, I'm so glad you called me. I'm so glad you called me. I just got a house that a church going to give us a town, and we're going to make a mission house out of it. And if you want, you can stay there for three months. We'll have it ready by the time you get here in one week. And so we drove up here. We drove to that house. We was over in East Point. But we didn't care. We had a place to live. And we moved into East Point, and we were there for, not for three months, but we extended our stay for a year and a half. We stayed there. <laughs> they kicked us out. No, they didn't. They, they were very gracious. You know, God just began to show us and affirmed one step at a time. And it began by listening and listening to what God is calling you. Proverbs 4.18 The path of the righteous I love this. The path of the righteous is like the morning sun. Not as bright but beautiful. A little gray in the morning. But as you continue to walk Shining ever brighter and brighter and brighter to the full light of day. And that's what I believe about God's will. That God will show you little by little. And he will make it clear. At first it's a little hazy. At first you're hearing God speak and say, okay God, you need to keep showing me. You need to keep showing me the direction. You need to keep showing me the path. You need to make it more brighter and make it more revealing. And if this is what God is showing you, he will do that. He will show you, and he will make it brighter. He will make it more clear as you take steps ahead. A great question. A couple of weeks ago, I had someone coming into my office and dealing with God's plan for our lives. They're here today. You know, they're still trying to figure it out. You know, and they're trying to figure out what their next step is. And I offer this question, a question I've used before. In fact, this is a question that I've seen um, from uh, Andy Stanley, pastor in Atlanta, Georgia. It's an intense question. And a question that you can ask when you've got to make a decision, as you try to seek wisdom. It's on your hand now. In light of my past history, my present situation, and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for me to do? What is the wise thing for me to do? Based on my past, present, and future hopes and dreams. What is the wise thing for me to do? The question you should ask in, regular, in almost every situation. God, give me wisdom. And lot of my past history. I struggled with this before. If I go this route, if I make this decision, is this going to hurt? Am I going to put myself in a bad situation? Or this is my present circumstances, God. Can I take the risk? Even though I got family of four, family of five, can I take that financial risk? Does it make sense, God? Give me wisdom. Is this the wise thing, the best thing for me to do? God, help me as I listen to your voice. God, based on my future hopes and dreams, is this the right choice, the wise decision? Give me wisdom. It's an intense question. In light of my past, present, and future, what is the wise thing for me to do? As I listen to the voice of God, as I listen to him impress my innermost being, as I listen for him to confirm what he's speaking to me, that I will follow after him. So the will principle, you surrender your will. The word principle, you get in the word of God. The wisdom principle, God give wisdom. 
by impressing you in the inner heart through the Holy Spirit as you ask and listen. And number four, the walk principle. The walk principle. That is to get busy and begin to serve the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. God doesn't direct us as we stand still. God directs us as we move out. You ask, what is the will of God? Well, here's the answer. The nearest thing that should be done that he can do through you. That's the next step. Instead of looking five years, ten years down the road, ask yourself, God, what's my next step? What is the nearest thing that can be done that's according to your will? What's the nearest thing that should be done that God can do through me? The will of God is not something you do for the rest of your life. It's something you do for the next 15 seconds. Let me say that again. The plan of God, the will of God, is not something you do for the rest of your life. It's something that you do for the next 15 seconds. Be faithful in the little things as you go serve the Lord. Luke 16, verse 10. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. What does this mean? It means you do the will of God. If the will of God is for you to smile at somebody, you smile. You do it. If God is to say, hey, I want you to smile at that person. Or, or if you see an opportunity to serve, whether it's here or at your work, you see an opportunity to, to, give, to share God's love or to, to show God's love by doing a, a random act of kindness and to show love with no strings attached. And God is speaking to you. You just do it. It's okay. That's my next step. I'm just going to do it. If, if, it's, if it's to make an offering this morning in the service, and God's speaking to your heart, hey, I want you to give, you do it. The will of God is not primarily a blueprint that he lays out before you and study it from the beginning to end. The will of God is scroll as you unroll. He shows you one step at a time. The path of the good man is ordered by the Lord. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And today, some of you need to start walking. We're waiting, waiting, waiting for the next step. Waiting, waiting, waiting on God's will. God says, just start walking. You may not know the end all, but you can take a step. What's your next step? What is your next step? What is your next step? Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 6. I want to read it in the King James language as we close. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. The word direct. The word direct in this verse literally has the idea of a bulldozer clearing the way. You see, as you take steps, one step at a time. And another step, God, this is a great manly analogy right here, but God is riding a big, thinking bulldozer. And he is clearing the path as you take a step, a step, 
one step at a time. He's clearing the way for you, but he's not going to clear it until you start walking. Until you start walking. You might not know where you have to be this far, but you can do something today. As you show God's will today, you say, God, I don't know what you have for me tomorrow. Because the Bible says, don't worry about tomorrow. Focus on today. God, what do you want me to do today? Because whatever you have for me today, I want to walk in it. I want to walk in it. I want to surrender my will to you. I want to give you a blank check. Anywhere, anytime, any cause. And I want to saturate my time into your word. I want to spend time in your word. And then, God, I want to seek your wisdom. I want to listen as I ask. I want to listen deeply as you speak to my innermost being. And as you tell me to do something in the next 15, 20 seconds, God, I want to be available. I want to do it. I want to start walking. And as I walk, I know that you're bulldozing. You will direct my steps. For some of you here today, your next step, he bulldozed away to Calvary. He had bulldozed in history a path to the cross, a path for your salvation. And for some of you this morning, your next step is to give your life to Jesus Christ. If you never knew Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, and today, he is calling you. Come to me. Are oh, you a weary and heavy burden? And I will give you rest for your soul. I will give you salvation that you've been looking for. And today can be your day of salvation. For some of you today, that is your next step. It's to take the next step in Jesus. And ask him to come into your life to be your Lord and Savior. And I promise you it will be the best, wisest decision that you've ever made, not for the life, but for all of eternity. There's other of you guys here, ladies and men. You're Christian, you're a follower of Jesus Christ, but you've been struggling. You're trying to struggle, struggle what's the next step. I pray that you would apply these principles and start living it. Men, as you leave your home, as your leaders in the workplace, as your leaders wherever you're at, I pray that you will lead in the will of God. Let you seek his will and not your will. To let go of your ego and to let it all give to God and humble yourself before him and say, God, I am here. I want to follow you for the rest of my life. Our Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you today. We thank you for, for a message, for your word to teach us how we can know your will. And although we may not have all of our answers today, God, I pray that we begin to apply these principles to our lives so that we can live out what you have for us to do. God, I pray that first of all, we surrender. We surrender our will to your will. We surrender, we surrender not to a plan, but to a person. And then, God, I pray that, number two, that we will saturate ourselves into the Word of God, that we will read your Word because, God, I believe that you speak the best through your word. And so, God, I pray that we will listen and be in tune with the Holy Spirit as he gives wisdom. I pray that when we ask, that we listen. That we listen for the next step. And then, God, I pray that whatever we do, we walk as you direct our step, as you bulldoze 
as you bulldoze and clear a path for us that we will follow after you for the rest of our lives, knowing that it's your perfect, pleasing will of you. That you have a plan that would be awesome for us if we would only surrender. God, you would take the broken pieces of our lives. You would take the broken mess of our lives and you could take our brokenness, our messiness. You can take it and you can use it for your glory. You can use it for your purpose. You can still use broken people to follow after your plan, to live out your will. And you and them I pray. Amen. Sweet.